welcome to Blue Royalty, a London's Blue podcast dedicated to the Chelsea women. I'm your host, Jess Parker-Vries, joined again by Nick Villani and Abdullah Abdullah. We are into part two of our Chelsea Women 23-24 season preview. If you haven't already listened to part one, you can go back and get that for our sort of WSL Champions League musings and meanderings Abdullah and I also put together a little predictions episode if you want some more quick fire hot take-esque chat this episode we are going to do a little bit more of sort of a tactical focus I guess another way of putting it would be just thinking a little bit about how we think the team's gonna shape up this season we're obviously in an interesting position whereby We've got some really talented new signings coming in. We've got some younger players coming in, whether because they've been signed or they're coming back off loan. And then we've also got a very established squad. So we're going to have a little bit of a think about how that might line up, about who we think is going to shine, who who we might see like really cement their place in the team this season before doing a little bit of a look ahead to that Spurs game that's taking place on Sunday. Um, Nick, this feels like... A bit of a fool's errand <laughs> to a certain extent in terms of trying to predict how Emma Hayes might line up as the season goes on. I feel like with Emma, the one thing you can sort of say for certain is don't be certain of anything. Mm-hmm. Um, stuff will change as the, as the year goes on. But I guess maybe a good place to start is we only got to watch one preseason game, the, the one against Roma, but we did see a back three used there. Obviously, that was something that... Um, Emma did sort of prioritise as the season went on, especially in those bigger games. Do you think that's something that that we'll stick with or at least that we'll maybe start the season with, obviously, permutations depending as the year goes on? So I, I was thinking about this because, I mean, obviously you have incredible depth at centre-back and full-back in this team, right? Uh, this is a stacked. I mean... Some of Buchanan, Charles, Mielda, Parise, Lawrence, Carter, and Bright will not start in a, in a match. Like that is a that's insane. That's a lot. And so I think the the real question is, does that matter more to Emma Hayes than some of Chankovic, Macario when healthy, James when healthy, Kirby, JRK, Wrighton? And potentially like a Fleming starting uh, in in some sort of advanced role and or number ten. I I don't think you could legitimately look at those options and not prioritize the ten, which means I think we're playing some sort of back four uh, this season. Maybe switch to a back three in, in games where it's tactically relevant, uh, right? Where we need some more defensive solidity or or we want to kind of push new skin back into maybe like a sweeper type of role or, or a deeper line, you know, six, you know, and have two kind of eights in there. But I mean, I would, I would feel a little bit aggrieved if we didn't get to see Wright and James and, and Kirby start matches together, for example, uh, with, with maybe Fischl, uh or Mercario or Kerr up top. Like there, I mean, again, you, you look at the forward options, it's it's insane and you know this team is good enough defensively i think to cope in a lot of ways i want to see the goal scoring kind of pick up again not so reliant on sam kerr being sam kerr i think that is my 
my take on the formation and how the team sets up because I mean there's just too many options in in the kind of advanced playmaker number 10 role and defense but I I would prioritize the number 10 personally yeah and Abdullah it's kind of funny isn't it because obviously I you can't do anything other than put this outsized weight on the Roma game because it's the only thing we watch but at the same time it comes in a context of lots of players coming back off the world cup you know who's available who's been in your preseason who isn't and therefore you've ultimately got to field a team um and sort of make it work make it fit but i definitely agree with nick when you look at the the glut of talent going forwards you know we don't want to be seeing guru rice in a left wing back and even beyond that this feeling of we've waited years and years for fullbacks and now we're you know one season in with Perisette, we've got ashley lawrence Neve Charles actually finally feels converted to being a real fullback rather than someone who you have to sort of slot in at wingback because you don't know where else to put her. All of that seems to point towards playing a back four. But then there's something that about Hayes that just feels so contrary that it's almost that's the expect the unexpected. She sat there thinking everything I've just said is what, you know, the Arsenal Alanist is thinking. So fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I can, I can, I can just see that going. You know, her with her whiteboard and then with the with the with the magnets and going. Okay, we're gonna move here. We're gonna move there. Um, I agree with both of you. I, I think it has to be a back four. I think four two three one. Ideally, for me, I'd play four two three one. It's it's the most suited formation for the team that we have. But kind of to what your point about Emma Hayes, I actually think it's going to be that hybrid four two three one three four three. I think it'll just keep switching whether it's in possession out of possession because. The team needs to be unpredictable in that sense. And because I think if Parise, just because I think either e, she can slot into as a third centre-back or, or Shukunuskin can drop in as that third centre-back, I feel like because of exactly the point you said of Emma Hayes going, I need to outsmart the competition and not do the obvious thing while still playing to our strengths, I think 4 2 3 one Shukunuskin becomes important in midfield, if Parise and Lawrence become important at fullback, and I think... When you, when you play that back four with the team going forward, you still stick to what you are best set up with, with the four and the two in the middle. And you can have a dedicated number 10 with the two wingers and striker. And at the same time, when they need to switch it around and have that flexibility and formation, I think that's probably what's going to allow us to be able to both play all the players in their best positions, but at the same time, give us a little bit of flexibility in, 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 in against different teams. I would... I would like to say, I'm saying this out loud. Emma Hayes is definitely listening to the show. You do not <laughs> need to outsmart everybody. You're, you have better players than everybody else in the league, certainly, and competitive in Europe. Play the damn players where they need to be played and stop. Like, I think the, the shift to the back three from a four, which fullback goes, which fullback stays, like, that's, that's relatively simple stuff to compute. When you get into midfielders dropping in as sweepers and your wingers kind of having to play further back to overcompensate as we saw Lord and James had to do a lot in the Champions League last year it throws off the whole fucking balance of your team right and what they're really good at and if I was staring if I was an opponent staring down the barrel of some sort of attacking combination of Lauren James Frank Kirby Guru Wrighton and Sam Kerr I'd be scared shitless I'd be like what we're where where are the passing lanes going to be? Because it's not a predictable passing unit 
they make all sorts of different runs. Like Girl's probably the most predictable in the way that she moves, but she also is amazing <laughs> and makes up for it with her one-on-one ability, right? Like the, Lauren James is completely unpredictable. Like you don't know what's going to happen there. Sam Kerr sometimes will make the run, sometimes will hold back. Frank Kirby, who knows, right? Especially in that role where I think she's like incredibly suited. Like do not do not overcomplicate this especially at the beginning of the season. Play the damn players where they're going to make the impact and don't try and outsmart Brighton to give Barcelona footage to look at that they're not going to look at later in the season. <laughs> Listen, though, I will say I do enjoy it. You know how some people do a Sunday morning crossword? Like my Sunday intellectual exercise <laughs> is taking that Chelsea team sheet and trying to make it fit into a formation. So and I love all extent. the... I love all the TV. Like they show the lineup, and you're like, "That's not a, That's not even close to where these players are going to play." Like, <laughs> exactly. You know. So that's, that's good fun. So to that extent, I say, "Go for it, Emma." Um, okay, Abdullah. It sounds like we we sort of believe we will probably see a back a back four at so, at certain points in the season. And I guess the question that that jumps out to me about that is: last year, when fit, it felt like Kadisha Buchanan was pretty much guaranteed a starting spot. Um, we're coming off a summer where Jess Carter played as a centre-back en route to a World Cup final. Um, we have seen, actually, Marimielda put in a big chunk of good performances towards the end of last season. Um, Millie Bright is obviously going to start if she's fit. Do you think Buchanan's position next to her is guaranteed and, and should it be? If you were in charge? If I was in charge, I'd definitely play a 4-2-3-1 and not mess around with the three of the back. So that's number one. <laughs> and I'd probably get Kankovic in my team somehow as well. That's my second That's my second thing to do. But uh, if I'm looking at the back four, no, I actually think um, you've, you've given Buchanan an entire season at Chelsea, starting every single game when fit, when required. And I felt like there was no real improvement and more more improve more than improvement she didn't look comfortable it's just like every, every game just was uncomfortable for her she had the odd like for every good game she had she had like four not so good games and i feel like she has college just one strength strength mielda came in having played hardly any football for months and then comes in and throws in a performance of a lifetime every time she did play i mean Barcelona to come in after hardly playing anything and to do that as Mara Mielda, I mean, that's insane. So, you know, if, if a Mielda can do that and Jess Carter can do that, then there's no excuses for someone like Buchanan, who's won like four or five Champions Leagues and Leagues titles in France to come in and not be able to perform at that level. So I think by that standard, I would not give her a guaranteed starting spot. And I think with this, with, you know, with the summer that Jess Carter has had, I don't actually see why she doesn't start next to Millie Bright. They've had the connection together for England now as both centre-back pairing. You bring that into the Chelsea setup, it only gets stronger, it only gets better. And if you're picking up the phone to Serena Wiegmann, she's going to be going, yes, please start those two together because I would like them to be my starting centre-backs going forward. So, um, yeah, for me, I, I, I don't start the season with Buchanan in that team. I think she has to earn her way back, rebuild her, her confidence, rebuild her almost almost her reputation in a weird way and then come back and do it because at this point Jess Carter is the superior player just based on form in the last two to three months there's no doubt about that I think if not for Anik Nallen uh Buchanan would be fourth out of four center backs 
in this team based on form. Uh, and I, it, they're just, I think when you say she didn't look comfortable, I think that she didn't adapt to the way the other defenders played last year when the, when the team finally made those shifts, those key shifts. She always would go on solo missions to track down and press. She would lose the ball a lot in dangerous areas. The passing was not nearly where I expected it to be for a player of her caliber. And in a team that does so well in transition, Chelsea does amazing in transition. You get us moving the ball forward against the team that's retreating and where it's like guaranteed goals. You got to be able to pass the ball out to an outlet. And it just didn't happen. And so... I think I think she's going to play this year. I think she'll she'll certainly be a part of the second. You know, when we referenced this in the previous pod, you know, kind of the two elevens that we have that that need to be mentally sharp and physically sharp to help Chelsea get over the hump this season. I think she'll be a part of that second choice eleven. But Jess Carter easily deserves to be a starting center back for me. Millie will be a starting center back based on her form and, and likely captaincy. I, I cannot imagine starting the season in any other way. And then I think you have Mielda and Buchanan as a really interesting pairing uh, in matches where you don't want to burn the other two out. Um, that is a, a fascinating thing for me, potentially now, and if you want to play a back three. And I think we've all understood that's where she's probably mm. the best suited. But yeah, no, Scary I mean... Scary prospects. Yeah, I know, I know. But um, but yeah, I like we got to put some respect on Jess Carter's name. And I think that she has to start this season, you know, maybe, maybe it's a fitness issue starting out just because she played so much over the summer. But if Millie's playing and she's younger than Millie and then you're going to play them together. And that's, that's just, I think where you're at. Yeah. And I think Abdullah, actually this, this raises another really interesting point. And I think generally Chelsea are very, very good at doing this. Um, but it does feel like we've seen, a lot of younger players brought in over the past couple of years. We've seen a ton of young players brought in to go out on loan. Definitely feels like there's an eye on the future of this team. And I do wonder how we will maybe see some of this transition play out this year. You know, I think Carter's a great example of that. She's a player who's had a load of really important moments with Chelsea. She's a player who took that sort of challenge that Hayes gave her to go and get in the England squad and go and become a starter for England. And and she's done that whilst not being a Chelsea starter. Like, she wasn't a starter last season really at all. But she's the kind of player who I think now you're looking to and saying, well, that's where you want want her to be because... You know, if we're looking just solely in that sort of defensive unit, Magdalena Eriksson's obviously moved on. Millie Bright is normally incredibly reliable, but missed a huge chunk of last season, for example. And, you know, she's just turned 30. These are the things that, that you want to be thinking about moving forward. And there are other areas of the pitch where you're looking at similar kind of positions, you know, Kerr and Kirby. For example, both players who are turning 30, uh, who have turned 30, Sophie Ingle, even though, as I've said before, seemingly indestructible. How much do you think part of the season is going to be about sort of that rejuvenation or, you know, bringing those players through, turning players who are very good, uh, very promising? I'm thinking Carter, Cuthbert, even maybe Charles um, in that group as well, who've been at the club for a number of years and making them sort of the the leaders in this team 
I think I think it will be important because I think, as you said, like you look at the ages of these players uh, that are already there, your Millie Brights and whatnot, and everybody is, 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 I mean, is heading there. I mean, you've got players in their prime. You've got a mix of players who are experienced, like, you know, your Sophie Ingles and Aaron Cuthberts and whatnot. And then you've got the players who are very, very young. And I think maybe not exactly this season because, okay, okay, you've got for, for Anne Katrenberger being, you know, 30, 32 years old in a couple of weeks, uh, 33 years old in a couple of weeks, I think will is already covered in the fact that you got Zichira and Hannah Hampton there as, as kind of your grooming role into it. And I think, you know, with Millie Bright, you've got Jess Carter, you know, for Sophie Ingle, you got Aaron Cuthbert. So I think the pathway has been set for the players that are going to be taking over from these players eventually. I still think you've got probably one more season, one, 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 one more season where you can kind of you don't have to start betting them in in terms of like the re, you know the, the Millie Bright doesn't need to get replaced for another two three years right, AKB could probably play for another two years and and you'll probably be fine and get her prime you know prime years there. Um, so the, room, the rumors the, the rumors of AKB's demise have been greatly exaggerated <laughs> year after year after year after year after year. <laughs> it's the Sophie Engel effect, right? Same thing. This is the last year. This is the last year, and then they just keep throwing out bangers. No, this is the real last year. No, (laughs) this this is is definitely. (laughs) I can bet my house on it, you know. So I think the way Chelsea are playing, the way Chelsea have their squad built up, I think it will be important. I think that will be a factor in Emma Hayes' mind in that, okay, Sophie Ingle's not getting any younger, Millie Bryce's not getting any younger, and and maybe she has to be managed her minutes a little bit more with, with injuries and stuff. Um, I think it's just a matter of just getting the players who are supposed to take their places more meaningful minutes. And what I mean by that is Jess Carter playing Champions League knockout football, feeling as if she's the first choice in that side, for example, right? Like if you're going into a game against a Lyon or a Bayern Munich in a quarterfinal, right? And you're looking at, okay, who's on the first name team, you know, first name team sheet, you want someone like Jess Carter to feel you know, she's the first name on that team. She, you know, one of the first few names on there. And to be able to take up that experience and that leadership role and that and that experience, I think, goes a long way because Millie Bright's been doing that for years. And I think that's the next step for an Aaron Cuthbert or um, Jess Carter to, to feel that pressure and start taking games by the horns themselves and winning games for Chelsea. If, and I think that's the next step. Being able for them to do prove that they can take the places of these players more so than putting them in to you know just replace them like for like more so can they take up the other parts of the game and show that experience that uh, that they require and i think that's what's going to be more important this season than anything else for me yeah i think it's definitely going to be something that's going to be really interesting to see how that matures and as i say i feel like chelsea generally why whilst the chelsea generally why it's so fascinating to keep an eye on this is because they make these moves very subtle you know like you look across to arsenal and they've got sort of leah volte and kim little and they yeah they've brought in younger midfielders but it feels like it's going to be leah volte and kim little until suddenly that kind of comes screeching to a halt and and that doesn't really get reflected in in the way chelsea look at stuff um so it's going to be interesting to see how things potentially change over the season um let's take a little ad break here and then when we come back i i want us to focus on the midfield not just because abdullah's obsessed with midfields and he'd be angry at me if i didn't give him a whole section to talk about it but also because i think that's going to be one of the really interesting things to keep an eye on this season are you missing out on your favorite show because it's not available in your region 
trying to keep your private time private? Well, let me introduce NordVPN. If you're bored of US streaming services, why not take it for a spin in the UK? Using NordVPN and at the click of a button, you can do just that. No need to travel to Japan for your favorite anime when NordVPN brings it right to you. With 5,000 plus server options, no show is out of your reach. Grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com forward slash London is blue. You know, like the name of the podcast to get a huge discount off of your NordVPN plan plus one additional months for free. It's completely risk free with Nord's 30 day money back guarantee. We all love to binge, but privacy is a big deal too. NordVPN keeps your information encrypted so you never have to worry about your IP or location getting out. Threat protection, they've also doubled down on keeping you safe with their new threat protection feature. Say goodbye to intrusive website ads and malware. Even if you download an infected file, threat protection kicks in and deletes it before it makes a mess of your computer. Don't forget, there is literally no risk to you with their 30-day money-back guarantee. Give it a try, and if you like it, great. If you don't, They'll send you a refund and you can pretend the entire situation never happened, just like Chelsea's 2022-2023 season. Check out my link at nordvpn.com forward slash London is blue to get your subscription started today. nordvpn.com forward slash London is blue. Abdullah, I feel like I should just hand this all over to you and you can take it away and we can have sort of a 20-minute soliloquy on on where you think the midfield's ending up. Um, I know this is a kind of, again, tough section to talk about when we don't really know how Chelsea are going to play, how Emma Hayes is going to set up, what formation is going to use, what even our formations anyway. Um, But suddenly we've ended up with loads of midfielders, Nick. Um, And it feels like this is the area of the pitch where Chelsea have been quite weak in past seasons. Um, Maybe that's why when you look at games against those very possession-heavy teams like Lyon, like Barcelona, like Manchester City games we've struggled in, we've not potentially been able to bring that different style of play where we can hold onto the ball. It feels like when you look at our squad now, on paper, this is something we want to have an answer to. Do you think we're in a position now when you look at that set of players to to have that sort of variety, to play that transition game like you were talking about, which I do think is something Chelsea prioritised, but to also, in maybe bigger games against more technical teams, have that opportunity to sort of put the foot on the ball and and take back some control. Definitely. I, I think what this midfield needed was a little bit of steel, and I think that's what Nuskin is going to provide uh, in spades. Um, if the Roma preseason match was any sort of preview, there were some hard tackles for a preseason game in there. And uh, I have always been a fan of hard tackles. Um, that's why I love Millie Bright so much um, because there, I think you need that in a midfield. Last season kind of felt like Aaron Cuthbert plus one to me. Uh, what I would like to see from this midfield this year is Aaron Cuthbert and a similarly positioned partner in midfield, right? I think, if you are going to commit resources uh, like the front four that we talked about, uh, you know, previously, Sam Kerr, Frank Kirby, you know, Guru Wright and Lauren James, who uh, you want to stay higher up the field. You want them to be in positions where they can attack and do the things that they do really well. Then I think you need a balance in midfield that allows you to make that transition while not giving up so much on the defensive side where you're making your, your back four work. We know that, 
you know, for example, you know, Emma likes to push the fullbacks up, right? So that really does leave our center backs isolated at times. And I know Sophie has played that role in the past where she's kind of been the deeper line uh, role and has helped to kind of aid in transition. But I think that's really what I want to see from this midfield is whether it's Leipolz or Newskin or uh, maybe all three of them, you know, and, and Aaron Cuthbert, balance, right? Transition through, make sure that the front three or four get their uh, opportunities and then uh, help the balance of the team not get so bogged down in moments where the opposition is pressing. So quick analysis, but that's kind of where I'm at. Yeah, and I guess, Abdullah, something that's really crucial about that and I think something that really stands out by the types of midfielders Chelsea have got in, and okay, this is this is often true for midfielders, that they can play sort of a variety of roles, but feeling like that lots of these players can do a role as a six or as an eight or as a 10. Now, some of them have ended up playing as a six, maybe because we couldn't find one to buy for a very long period of time. I'm kind of looking at Aaron Cuthbert when I think about that. Um, but it speaks a lot to the way Chelsea likes to recruit, to the way Hayes likes her players to play. How important do you think it is that Chelsea really focus on not necessarily who is in those roles, but what those roles are doing. You know, I think that was something we saw in the preseason, in the Roma game. It wasn't like X players coming on to play. You know, what for example, Trankovic didn't come on to play just as a 10. Um, Nuskin came on and she wasn't sitting as the deepest line midfielder. How important do you think that will be for Chelsea to, to make sure those players sort of are, are ready to do whatever roles asked of them? I think it will be hugely important. I think I think when it comes down to it, um, if anything, what the Roma game showed us was the fact that it's about understanding the role more than the position that you're actually playing. And I think that's something that Barcelona do very, very well. You take someone like Marione Caldense as a prime example of a player who starts on left wing but plays very much like a number 10 coming inside and understanding that how to play in both positions. And I think, you know, players like Kankovic, players like Aaron Cuthbert, Nuskin, especially in that midfield three, are going to have to understand how they're going to be able to interchange uh, places. Like, for example, you you know, we talked about Kankovic being maybe a bit more of a number 10, but then in Roma, she, against Roma, she played as more number eight and she looked really, really good next to, um, you know, Nuskin. And when Leupels came on, she kind of switched up between being a deep-lying six into a number eight and going into a number 10. And I think understanding when they need to be disciplined in their positioning and when they need to be able to push up and interchange roles and positions, I think it becomes important because like we said, formations is a state of mind at this point at Chelsea Football Club, especially with Emma Hayes. And I think because it is a state of mind, you need to understand how a role and a position works. And I think Chelsea will be better for it because then it just, it doesn't isolate players in a certain position. So if they start seeing one player push forward, they know automatically they need to come back and, and hold a certain position or make the decision to go forward next to them if it's better for the team. And if you are, if they're able to kind of do that and, and you know, master it, I think Chelsea become a very difficult proposition to come against because then that unpredictability factor comes in where if you if you see the lineup again, like, okay, you got Nuskin, let's say Nuskin, Kirby and, and Kasba in there, right? That looks obvious that it's two sixes and a 10. But then if Kirby's driving out to the right-hand side and then you've got Aaron pushing up as a number 10 and you've got Nuskin holding the single pivot playing as two players, but then, you know, Guru comes inside and plays almost as a secondary 10 attacking number eight. And when you've got those movements and rotations going on there, suddenly teams become become much, much 
they find it much harder to, to be able to mark players, understand where they go, and when you've got like an Ashley Lawrence who can drive on the on the overlap, it becomes great. And I think I think there are going to be games where Chelsea will need to be disciplined in the in the tougher, bigger games where they need to be positioning disciplined, role disciplined, but then. In, 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 in there are going to be pockets of moments where they're going to be able to do this. And I think that role understanding in itself then becomes hugely important going across the season. Because once they understand the role, the position actually becomes very, very easy to understand. And then they can execute almost any type of game plan based on the role that they've been given for that season. And I think what will be really interesting taking that into consideration is I feel like that's something Hayes obviously and understandably prioritizes their players and I think that's why we for example we've seen Jesse Fleming maybe not play consistently but play in very big games and that's kind of my theory around why we maybe haven't seen as much of Yelena Trankovic for example but Nick they're they're two players that for me this sort of feels a bit like of a a make or break season for them in terms of really having an impact at Chelsea I know maybe that feels unfair on someone like Trankovic who hasn't been at the club as, as long as Fleming has but when we're talking about this this glut of midfielders almost you kind of have this feeling especially when we sort of look on the horizon and and see that there are players like Macario okay she's probably going to play as a nine or a ten but you know she's going to come back these are all people who start taking up the roles like yeah sure you can see Fleming as an eight or a ten and Chankovic likewise but then when you've got players like Fran, LJ, Macario, who all also want to play potentially as tens, these are they need to almost nail down what they're going to do before you've got some of those other players maybe at full fitness or ready to play. Right. That that is kind of the way I see it as well. I mean, you look at, you know, obviously there were fitness concerns last year, and so you know, Chekovich got a run of games because there was a huge injury to Fran Kirby, and then you know, ended up playing really well and kept her place in the team. You know, LJ kind of faded towards the end of last season, you know, from a fitness perspective. And I think, you know, that's going to be a big part of her evolution as a player is to stay fit for the biggest possible matches so that she's as fresh as possible. Right. So there there are going to be opportunities for both of these players to play. Do I think they're necessarily in the first 11 as I look at it today? No. Does what I say matter to Emma Hayes at all? Zero percent. Um, so it, you could see them both start on the opening day against Spurs. You don't really know, right, at, at this point. But I think Fleming would be the bigger concern of those two for me. The the time for tweener kind of roles, it, maybe to Abdullah's point, is, is still around. But I still don't know what her best role is. And I think if you're competing... It's a lot easier to compete in one position than it is in, in two or three, right? And, you know, just trying to prove yourself. I, I think your point about Aaron Cuthbert is we we made a role for her because we needed that role to be filled. I don't feel necessarily the same about Fleming today. Um, and I think she's going to have to climb a pretty big mountain to start consistently in this team. And that mountain... If, if everyone's healthy, will include, you know, any of the midfielders that I that I mentioned earlier. You know, I think climbing over Melly or Nuskin or, or Aaron, which is going to be incredibly difficult. If she moves up to the 10, I think it's even more challenging. You know, potentially a Shankovich, you know, Frank Kirby, who, if healthy, will automatically start. And LJ and, you know, potentially Kat, right, if she ends up playing there. 
it's a tough it's a tough battle. I you know my hope is that both these players can stay mentally in it, even if they're not playing a whole lot, and show up when the team needs them. Yeah, definitely. I think this just comes back to to the stuff we've talked about already. You know, in that previous episode, Nick, where you, you were talking about maybe the biggest challenge is is how do you keep everyone happy? And I think the answer is potentially not everyone gets happy. And you know, I think that's why I was picking those two out sort of as make or break because I think they're players who understandably would feel like they could start every game and a hell of a lot of teams. Um, and I think they're players who both of whom want to take the challenge on, um, which is why they're around. And I think that's really exciting for Chelsea. That's a great position to be in, to be at a club where players want to come and fight for their place and have players who believe they can win those places. Um, but it'll be really, really interesting to see uh, how that, plays out um i think that pretty much covers off on where the team's building blocks might be i know we haven't really touched on forwards but i do think that feels quite straightforward right now obviously maybe kerr potentially might not start the season not entirely sure where her fitness is at um but i think you know if it she's obviously going to be first choice guru going to be first choice even if she is shunted to play at left wing back and then it's probably sort of between LJ and Fran to take up right wing or number 10 again depending on fitness so I think that's something that you know maybe we'll see develop in the season but right now I, I don't know if there's a huge amount to dig in there so feel like let's maybe finish off this episode after a little ad break to look ahead at that first game against Spurs. All right, so all of this stuff that we've kind of been hypothesizing over, we will start to hopefully get some answers to at Stamford Bridge on Sunday when Chelsea kick off the WSL season against Tottenham. Abdullah, I feel like the main aim of the game here is to end this first game of the season curse we've got going on. We've not won our first match of the season since we played Tottenham at Stamford Bridge on the opening day. And we were horrendous that day as well. And Beth England scored a worldie and bailed us out. Now, fortunately, Beth England won't be playing for Chelsea or Tottenham at Stamford Bridge on Sunday. Uh, but how important do you think it is? Is it important? I mean, we keep losing these games. We keep winning the league. Does it matter if we, we lose the first game? At, at this point, if we're going to continue the trend of losing the first game and win the league, would you not want to take that again? You know, but then it is Tottenham. So do you want to lose against Tottenham? You know, it's a 50-50 take, a gamble. So you don't really want to be losing to Tottenham. Um, I think I think it's just, it's always important to get off to a good start. You know, getting three points in the bag, getting getting ahead, and especially in a league and and you know in a place where you don't have as many games as 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 the men's. You don't have it's not a thirty-eight game season. You know, it's it's much less. And so it, it almost feels like every point feels like a six-pointer more than actually three points. And so for every point available, I think you just need to hit the maximum. You're going to aim for the maximum. And, you know, look, starting off at Stanford Bridge, first game of the season, it's it's the curtain raiser, you know, um, against, an, uh, against a, rival, a London rival. It's, it's a derby, so... I think it's important you 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 know if, if these these are one of those games where you just don't want to lose you know whether it's Arsenal or Tottenham, and getting off to a good start with the squad that we have and I don't think there's any excuses just because we said we've got the squad depth now yes obviously fitness permitting but you know when you say Frank Kirby may not be fit no Macario Sam Kerr may not may not start but then you look at the players to come in and start the game like if Mia Fischel starts up front I'm comfortable you know obviously. 
permitting caveat that she has to fit into the league and all that. But like as a, as the striker to come in to replace Sam Kerr, I'm so comfortable with me official starting up front. So, um, yeah, I think I think we, you know, we're a more settled team. We're a better team, and and I feel like getting a good start is is probably the bare minimum we need against uh, to go into a you know the the fifth consecutive title. Yeah, seven seven wins in seven against Spurs in the WSL. But Nick, I feel like the main challenge here is that. Okay, Spurs don't have Beth England, which I do think is a big boost. But we also don't really know much about this Tottenham team. We haven't seen them play before. They've got this new coach, Robert Villaham. And that, I feel like, does create this extra sense of challenge. You know, last time we played Tottenham at Stamford Bridge, they were, you know, newly promoted. It's very different, I think. I don't think they've been a great team, obviously, in recent years. But they will see this as an opportunity to kickstart themselves under a new manager. Yeah, unfortunately, they're coming to Stanford Bridge and playing Chelsea. I mean, if if they were playing someone else, I'd, you know, maybe give them a chance. I, I don't think this will be particularly close. And, you know, especially without Beth England, who the second half of the season really kicked on and I think helped them stay up uh, more than anything. This is a, a Chelsea team that should come out uh, absolutely firing. Um, there should be no excuse. Um, you know, this team, as we've talked about for the last, you know, hour and a half of podcasts have been, uh, built for moments where maybe not everyone's fit, right? There's a ton of depth in this team. Emma Hayes has, has played a, you know, I think a couple of, of really interesting, uh, fixtures in preseason and, and tough fixtures at that they know what they need to do. Uh, hopefully the atmosphere at the bridge is great and kind of propels them forward. But this is not, I, I don't think this is a game that Tottenham wants to start their season off with. <laughs> I think that this is exactly the game that Chelsea wants to start their season off with. And, um, you know, I would expect a a very, very comfortable win. Yeah, I mean, I I certainly hope so. I do think it will be interesting, Abdullah, in terms of seeing who's actually fit. Um, Jesse Fleming, Ashley Lawrence seem to go off with Knox in, in Canada's game in the international break. Doesn't seem like Aaron Cuthbert's fit. Uh, potentially no Fran, potentially no Sam. Is that a bit of a concern? Or do you think this is just one of those things where you kind of got to roll with it? And as Nick sort of said, you just say, come on, lads, it's Tottenham. <laughs> 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 yeah I, I i agree with that i i think it is i think look it's tottenham they're not you know they're not they're not the greatest team in the league yeah they've got a few players but you know potentially their new captain and you know potentially one of the best players beth in england is out for the foreseeable future so when you lose a big player like that i think it's a huge blow um, and I think Chelsea now, like we, you know, we we keep saying it. Chelsea have the squad now. Chelsea have the squad now where you can go in and blow practically any WSL team right now. I, I can see any of those players coming into their starting eleven and just beating most players in most other WSL teams. So, and you're look, you're at home, home crowd, home advantage. Everyone's there. Everyone's excited for the season to finally start. And I feel like for once. There has been a considerable amount of time between a summer international tournament and the start of the season. It doesn't feel like it's all packed in right, you know, with two weeks later, you're starting the first game of the season. No, it's like the tournament finished in on the 20th of August. 
you know, we're now in season starts on the 1st of October. There's a considerable amount of time in preseason and things to be there. So, um, yes, some big players are going to be missing for the start of the season. But I feel like that's why we have this this massive ass squad now to um, to play. I mean, look, if Melanie Leupold and Shirkanuskin is your starting pivot to duo for the first game of the season, I am not complaining. That is another amazing duo that you know could end up being you know world class so um whereas in the past you might have had to go oh you know okay no knock on sophie engel but sophie engel and leupold's versus leupold's and nuskin i would take leupold's and nuskin over that duo then that would have been probably the the starting two if somebody you know if aaron cusper was out last year whereas this year we've got the depth to be able to do that and then still bring in a sophie engel as like that backup late in the game or mm-hmm. rotation depending on how long it takes so just using that as an example, I, I, th- I think I think we'll be fine. I think we'll be fine. Yeah, I'd really like to see Nuskin get starting minutes. But I wonder if we will see Sophie Ingle start uh, potentially with with Leupoldt and maybe Lauren James as the ten as well. Um, it'll be really interesting, I think, to see sort of what Hayes plumps for, and also just hopefully to understand what the constraints are. It's all very you know, hush, hush, as as normally it is in the season, but it's extra when you're out of season. You're like, okay, we don't really know anything about Cuthbert or Kirby. And, you know, Fleming Lawrence might be fine. They will have to wait and see whether they play Canada's other games. Um, but yeah, so I guess that one will just be something to keep an eye on. Um, but I think that, that wraps us up quite nicely. Um, Abdullah and Nick, Thank you for joining do, me. Do you have a score prediction? What's going a on here? Score prediction. <laughs> yeah. It's been Ooh. a while. It's been a while. I know. I hate it's doing score predictions. I'm going to go with a nervy 1-0 again, just because I feel like... Oh, liven up. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I, d- I don't trust that. Op- if, we're, if we're getting rid of that opening day curse, there's going to be something funky going on. It's gonna, still going to feel nervous. Abdullah? Ah. <sighs> 2-0, Chelsea. Let's go. 4-0, Chelsea. Okay. Four, Easy. 4-0. Three, three in the first half. It's Have over. you forgotten oh. that there's like a force field around Chelsea scoring goals? No, <laughs> they, they take it down when the women show up. It's a whole, it's a league competitive. It's a misandrous yeah. force field, so yeah. it's fine. It only applies to men. <laughs> yep. And oh, and well, I will I predict, so. I'll predict Fischl to get, uh, to get her first goal as well. Nice. I do think Fischl could have a, a lot of fun. Um, and I hope I hope she does. I hope she gets a, a good go at it. Um, okay, so Chelsea do kick off the WSL season at 5.30 at Stamford Bridge against Tottenham. Pray for me. I'm going to go to Arsenal first and hot-foot it all the way across London from north to southwest to get to Stamford Bridge in time for that one. Um, seemed like the funnest way to start off the season. If you are at home, wherever you are in the world, I, I hope you enjoy it. I hope we end the curse we will be back obviously after that match to run through everything. Oh, if I feel like I feel like it's Christmas, you know, the excitement of like, oh, really ready now uh to get into it. So normal service will be resuming after that Spurs game. Hopefully we'll be celebrating the end of our first game of the season curse. But until then, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high. <laughs>